Welcome to episode 67. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guest, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student. So get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here once again on the Business Journalist Podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. And if you have not already done so, remember to click subscribe on your podcast player so that you do not miss an episode. This is Davis Mutawa here, your host. Very, very excited today to bring you our feature guest, Mr. Brady Shearer. Brady, welcome to the Business Generals Podcast. Great to be here, Davis. Thanks for inviting me on. Awesome, awesome. Um, Brady, ladies and gentlemen, he is the founder of Pro Church Tools, and he is the host of a top podcast on iTunes called Pro Church Tools. Pro Church Tools is um, an organization Brady founded that helps churches go professional with their media, their communications, their video, and their design. You know, small churches, large churches, medium churches, the whole lot. And he's created a, a beautiful business that I've been following over the probably a year or two now. And um, I've been intrigued by his story. So I was quite excited when Brady said he would come onto our show and uh, share a little bit about his story as much as we can share in the next hour. So Brady, welcome to the show. Just kick us off and give us a little bit about your personal background outside of business. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Canadian. I live in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, which is right on the border between Canada and America. Uh, I grew up in a Christian family, went to high school, met my girlfriend in high school, grade 12. We then went to Bible college together and got married shortly after. I went to study to become a pastor. Figured out I didn't really love that idea and kind of got enamored by this idea of online business. And so I started Pro Church Tools a little bit through Bible college, third, fourth year sort of thing. Once I graduated mm-hmm. Bible college, moved to Niagara Falls now where I am now and since then we've had a daughter she's two and a half now and so that's what we're doing here family business living life congratulations and um is it a bit of a laptop lifestyle business or more bricks and mortar that for you do you think yeah our business is entirely online we don't do anything like our in-person presence isn't a thing like we're in a we're in an office park next to now we are uh, next to a couple of other businesses and they're always like clients are coming in and they're doing stuff and i always wonder if they go by like the pro church tools name on our door and i'm just like who even are these people like what are they even doing here <laughs> you know all we see is like a bunch of kids come in and like they're always really loud and playing music like what, what what the heck you know when i started the business for the longest time it was entirely like laptop i remember i had this idea of online business right and uh, my wife was gracious enough in like the first year of marriage to kind of trust me with it and so she'd go off to work. She was working insurance 
And then she'd work at a retail store at night. So two jobs. And I was in college, but you know, it was Bible college. It wasn't like serious college. And then I would, I would be like at home. She'd come home after like nine hours of working and I'd be in like a bathrobe sitting on our couch with a laptop in my, you know, in my lap, just working and be like, today I changed our homepage design. And she'd be like, what are you even doing? Like, but she was gracious enough. And, you know, eventually that changed and we moved from, you know, the single apartment laptop to actually got a real desktop computer that could do like real substantial video editing. And then we moved and bought our first home. And the the home that we had had this detached garage that was really dank and small and we had to renovate it. But that was like our first ever office space. And then we hired some employees and then eventually we grew out of that office space. There was six of us in 400 square feet and we were all crammed in there and there was no air conditioning and it was really hot. And, and so we're like, okay, we need a better office space. And so now we're in our first ever professional real office space. You know, it's 3000 square feet. We had a builder and designers come in and plan out the whole floor plan. And it's uh, pretty spectacular. And so there's eight full-time people in here plus me, and we have room for, you know, about three or four more people. And then we have about mm, six, half dozen to a full dozen, um, freelancers, contractors, and then remote employees. Nice, nice, nice. Sounds like a nice journey, and uh, and I know a little bit about your story, and I want to get into that. But before I do that, let me know what, um, how long have you been full time in business, and what are your core revenue streams? We're coming up, I think, on about four years now, four or five years. The mm-hmm. first year was probably not full time. That was probably like on and off me doing freelancing on the side to support it. Um, the the main product that we've had since the beginning that has kind of like funded everything else that we're doing is basically we produce video announcements for churches. And so right now we work with about 150 churches each week producing their video announcements. And so that was the first like paid product that we ever kind of created. Um, But the thing that drives the entire business is the brand Pro Church Tools. And so since the very beginning, I've been releasing videos, articles, and podcasts every single week, just teaching everything I know and giving away all of my best advice and information. And what that has allowed us to do is build this audience uh, that we call Pro Church Nation. And this is an audience that you know listens to us, watches us, reads us, and they really trust the brand that we've created. And then we've created this huge following. And that's allowed us to kind of experiment with new products. And so going forward, we have these two main products. One is called Nucleus, which is a, a boutique church website builder. And then the other is called Storytape, which is a, an unlimited stock footage site. And so those are our two main products. And so Pro Church Tools has allowed us to build an audience where we launch a product and we have this huge audience that's already ready and you know rearing to get into it. And then Pro Video mm-hmm. Announcements is this product that has basically funded all of these other endeavors. And so it's kind of this weird web of making everything happen, but we're a bootstrapped business. We've never had any um, investment from other like private or public equity at all. Uh, you know, I'm the 100% owner of the company, my wife and I. And so mm-hmm. to be able to do that and still build like world-class products, which is what we're trying to do with a platform like Nucleus, which is software, you know, we're going to spend probably about a half a million dollars on that of my own money before we ever even launch it publicly. Like to do that, you need to be able to fund it in other ways. And so we've got this product that has existed client services, basically with the video announcements that's been funding everything. And we're just in the middle of a pretty big pivot right now, shifting from client services and like eBooks and courses into software, which is kind of our, our long-term goal. But you know, it took four years to get here and software is a beast and it requires a ton of money investment to make it happen. 
we don't want to take money from outside of the business. The main reason I launched the business in the first place was I wanted 100% control over my time. And so I don't want to invite anyone else into the business if we don't need to, and we won't need to, who will then have any control over the way that I serve my customers, make my time, hire my people, you know, any of that. And so that's why we're doing things the way we're doing them. Love it. Love it. So for three years full-time in event, 150 customers, 150 churches that you're serving with them, um, the pro video announcements plus various other products. That's that's a pretty pretty good um, traction. I want to dig into the story. How did this all start for you? Yeah, I I was hired on as the media director in my church second year of Bible college. I guess my pastor must have saw something in me that I didn't because I didn't have any video, social, web, or design skills at the time. But I did have this knack for really diving into something that I had never done before and learning it very quickly. So I did that with recording software. I did that at the end of high school and beginning of college where I really wanted to like learn how to like make music, uh, record it myself, engineer it myself. And so I got this laptop and I recorded an entire album from scratch. It got some local radio play and stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And so I got hired by my pastor and I don't know if it was just a pity hire because I had no job at the time and I was this floundering college student with no direction. And he like was like, okay, come here. We'll pay you 20 hours a week. You know, no money. It's like $1,200 a month. But for a college kid, I was like, oh my gosh, money working at a church. I've been serving at churches for free my whole life. This is amazing. It's good. And it was a church plant. What church plant hires a media director? Like, it was amazing. In Canada, no less. It was the weirdest situation that I was just so grateful and fortunate to have. And so I dove all in to video, design, social, web, branding, and communications, learning everything that I possibly could. And the more that I learned and the more that I did for our church, began to get noticed by other churches in the city, you know, big churches with thousands upon thousands of people. And they asked me to come in and do some freelance stuff. And the more I thought about it, Davis, the more I thought, you know what? If I learned this on my own, basically just picking it up through, you know, internet tutorials and practicing and making mistakes and improving upon those mistakes. Like, I think anyone can learn this, but there's not too much, if any, resources online when it comes to church communications and media and digital. There's a lot of stuff that's general knowledge that can be applied to any number of different pursuits or industries, but what about church-specific stuff? And that's when I decided to launch Pro Church Tools. It was kind of this intersection between my interest in online business and the audience that I truly wanted to serve, which was churches and ministries, pastors and church leaders. And so I created this website, prochurchtools.com, and just began, like I said earlier, teaching everything that I had learned. And okay, here's how I picked up a camera for the first time and started shooting a video. Like, this is what you need to know about the intricacies of shooting video. And here's how to create a graphic if you don't have any software or if you don't have any understanding of typography or color theory or you know, the dimensions and understanding Photoshop, like we can do it and we're going to figure it out together. And so that was kind of the beginning of the journey towards where we are now. I love it. And how did you know, Brady, that you could execute on that idea and get some success out of it? Were you doing it part-time while working at the church or what was the combination of the hours that you were doing? Yeah. So, I didn't have very much time to work on this business because I was full-time in school and 20 hours a week at the church. And so that was probably about 60 hours a week of my time. I was also newly married. And so what I did was I began waking up extremely early every day and working on the business then. So from 5 to 8 a.m. before I went off to school, this was when I would kind of get most of my work done. And I had never woken up early. My dad was a, a firefighter and still is. And so he works these 24-hour shifts and, you know, three to four times a week, he'd be getting up at like 5 a.m. and going off to work. And I remember marveling as a kid thinking, 
this man is a superhero. Who could wake up at 5 a.m.? Like as a teenager, that was the most terrifying prospect yeah. to even consider. But I, it was the only time I had. And I heard about all these people. They're like, yeah, waking up early. That's like when I get my best work done. And so I began forcing myself up at 5 every day. And that would give me these three hours that previously I would be sleeping. And so I kind of like reclaimed three hours of my day, my, this 24-hour period that didn't exist before. And that's where I began working on the business. It turns out that I'm also most productive in the morning. Still to this day, you know, we're recording this podcast podcast pretty early in the morning on uh, in my area of the world. But I've been at you know the office since like five or six today working, doing creative work because I'm most creative in the morning. The whole team comes in around 9am. And so this gives me like, you know, three or four hours every morning where I can do my most creative work without interruption. And then when the team comes in, that's when I kind of transition into like CEO manager mode, podcast, stuff like that, that can only be done during the day meetings, all that kind of stuff. But it all started time wise at that 5am. And it's carried over ever since it's been one of the best habits that I've developed in my, you know, young life thus far. That's amazing. I love that. Now, so you're investing, you know, early hours, three hours a day, and then you do 60 hours a week in your school and and your normal job, if you like. But how do you know that this is actually going to pay off? Well, I absolutely did not. But what I did have was I started off in the summer. So when I really began diving into the business full time was the summer before fourth year of college. And I had this video gig. I was doing this mini documentary for the city where I was living, Edmonton, Alberta. And it was like this $5,000 documentary. And I was like, I've never seen this kind of money. It's the city. <laughs> like city councilors are signing off to pay me, Brady, money to make a video about sexual exploitation within the city. It was like, you know, mm. good cause, good money, doing something I loved. And that gave me enough runway to kind of start, you know, $5,000. Okay, $1,200 a month at church. Okay, I have enough money to get through this summer and try everything I can to see if this business can work. And if it doesn't, by the time September rolls around and we head back into fourth and final year, I'll have given this online business thing a, a shot for four, year, uh, four months at least. And then I'll get a job at Starbucks or something. And so basically, mm -hmm. I went all in, did everything that I normally do when it comes to learning a skill. I'm a very hard worker. And so I just put in as much time as I could. And, you know, nothing happened for the first three months. Basically, no client signed up, uh, nothing, no traction was created. And so I was getting pretty disappointed. And I remember like sitting at my IKEA $5 like desk that I had bought. And it was, you know, it's black and I've got my head down. It's 5 a.m. in the morning and it's, it's August 15th, basically. So I've got like two weeks before I head back to school. And this whole mm -hmm. online business dream fades away into, you know, an ultimate failure. And so I was just like, I was just like praying. I was like, God, like, I only need like three clients. Like <laughs> video announcements, let's say they cost like three, $400 a month. And I make $1,200 a month at church. Like, I just need three churches. There's like 300,000 just in America. There's got to be three, Lord. <laughs> Come on, three. I'm trying my best here. And within the next two weeks, I think we had six churches sign up. And, and join us. And wow. what I didn't know at that time was like, I didn't understand this, but churches basically go into hibernation, especially with big purchase decisions throughout the summer. It's just kind of the general flow of the yearly kind of calendar when it comes to churches. But I didn't know that because I was brand new to this industry. And, and so mm. a lot of the times we'll see an influx of customers, you know, August and September, right when we're recording this podcast, essentially. And we see that every year, but I didn't know that at the time. And so like, it was like this miraculous thing where, you know, churches signed up and I was able to replace the income of what I was earning at church with those first couple of clients. And I got to be honest, Davis, like, I don't really know what would have happened if 
those first set of clients <laughs> didn't sign up because yeah. that gave me the confidence that I could literally like do anything. Like I had literally created money out of thin air on the internet as like a 19 year old Canadian kid in the most Northern major metropolis in the world. Like that's what I had done. And mm. like, it was such a surreal kind of moment, especially when you kind of pulled back and looked at it objectively that that had happened. I had created money online out of nothing on a website that I bought and set up. And that gave me the confidence going forward that, you know what, what limits do I really need to set on myself? Like, we can do anything that we want, or at least have the type of delusion needed to endeavor upon something like that. Yeah. So, so you've talked about a website. What did you do in those crazy three months that summer? Well, I was learning like, okay, I understand how to do video stuff and I want to teach people and I understand some graphic stuff, but I actually need to create a website so that people can access this. And so most of those three months were like me figuring out the product, you know, these video announcements. How are we going to be able to create videos en masse uh, at scale for churches? You know, we create 150 videos a week now for churches in about a 48 hour span, Tuesday to Thursday, 150 videos mm. every single week. And so we have this pretty intense and sophisticated process to make that happen so that mistakes are minimal, hopefully non-existent, and everyone gets what they've actually paid for. And so I was figuring out the product then, but I was also like learning, okay, I need to build a website. I need to like create a blog. Okay, I need a WordPress theme. I need to figure out hosting. I need to figure out my audience. What's my you know selling proposition? What's What makes me unique? What's my voice when it comes to writing and podcasting and creating videos? And how do I accept money online? And then what about taxes? What about like every single thing when it came to running a business? Like that was me learning baptized through fire at that time. Yeah. Now, before we continue, Brady, just educate um, somebody who's never heard of video announcements in, in church. What, what is that? What does that look like? What are you guys creating? Sure. Well, I mean, most church services have three elements. They've got the time of the music, the time of the preaching, and then the announcements time, which is the worst part. And, and most church announcements can drag on to 5, 10, 15, <laughs> believe me when I say this, 20 minutes. And so what we do is we take that announcement time where Pastor Stacy walks on stage and she's holding the bulletin in her hand and reads through the 18 announcements with lame jokes and it takes forever and like the momentum you had in the service has been sucked out forever we take that we just turn it into a quick two to three minute video and so we have you know five professional hosts that are delivering your announcements throw in some cool graphics some background music and now your announcements are two to three minutes they can be replayed every single you know week through social media through the website so if someone did miss them they can rewatch them you can post them wherever needed and you're reclaiming which I, is a word i used earlier when it came to my mornings well you're reclaiming service time what would your church do with 10 to 20 extra minutes of service because you're using video announcements instead of these long drawn out live announcements and so that's what they are in a nutshell and and why churches like them mm. is your team actually showing their faces on there or it's mainly just graphics and music and stuff no, like the main subject would be one of our hosts. So I do a lot of announcements. You know, we've got churches all over the world, different countries, Australia, America, Canada. And we're the ones that are on camera hosting and presenting to your church. Very good. I like it. Now, let's get back to your story. So you've set up your website. You've worked out all these, all the mechanics. How did you start doing the outreach to the 300,000 churches to find your six? 
Well, basically it comes down to content marketing. And so I just started creating a ton of content, like I said. So I was producing videos, I was recording podcasts, I was writing articles, and I was using, you know, basic understanding of search engine optimization. And we had mm. begun building an email list from day one. And so the process was very simple. I would write, you know, three, create three pieces of content a week. And then the search mm -hmm. engines would begin indexing those. And so you would search for something like, let's say, best church camera. And maybe you'd land on my site. And then there would be a bunch of options within the site on that page itself to be like, hey, sign up for our free guide on the ultimate cameras for churches. And then so you'd enter your email address. And now you were part of my you know, online audience. And so every week I would email you new content that I've been creating. And then over time, you'd be like, oh man, I like this Brady guy. Like he seems to have some good ideas and he's always providing valuable content. And then down the road, when I have a paid product, eventually you consider buying it. And so that's kind of the product and customer life cycle of the way that we do things based around content marketing. And in the in the early days, the, those couple of months, um, what platforms were you mainly focusing on? Just your blog? Yeah, at the beginning, I was doing a lot of YouTube videos and then you know articles mm -hmm. on our site when it came to WordPress, and then podcasting came about a year after that. Mm -hmm. And it was all free. Were you into paid paid ads as well at the time at the beginning? No, that's one thing that we've never done. I, I think that advertising, especially when you have a smaller audience. And even in the church world, if you have a, ma have a massive audience, it's still just going to be comparatively small to, to most advertising. And so in that respect, it's just small potatoes. And what I didn't want to do was I didn't want to compromise my brand at all with advertisements. I always wanted you to feel like you could read, listen, or watch our content without being bombarded with advertisements at all. So we've never had any paid advertising, not even once. And that's something I'm really proud of because, you know, you don't come to our site and there's like pop up for this and audio autoplay video for this. And it's like, you know, just sidebar ads, sidebar ads, sidebar ads for things that are just irrelevant or, you know, programmatic banner ads at the very bottom. Like, you know, I'll go to a Christian website and it'll be like, you know, why you need to like be more committed to God and purity. And then at the bottom, there's like an ad with like a girl in a bikini because they're trying to get as much advertising as they can. It's just like, look, like you've ruined this now. Like... And what, for the eight cents that you made? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. How, how's the business doing now? Uh, I know you, I, I read in the past some of, some of the, the stuff you guys have done, some of your reach, some of the numbers. Uh, what can you share with us just to get, give us a bit of a, a frame of reference? Yeah, so within like the first year or two of running the business, I had like developed a six-figure income, which was pretty you know, spectacular for a college kid, you know, I'm walking around yeah. campus and I'm like, ah, I make six figures, which probably was not good for my <laughs> ego, but was, you know, in hindsight, a pretty cool thing to have achieved. Uh, from there, we yeah. eclipsed seven figures as a business and now we're at multiple mm. seven figures and we're trying to make the journey, the trek from seven figures to eight figures. That's the goal. And that's kind of like the top end of what I want to run as a business. Basically, you know, my goal is to run a five to $10 million business. I think that we can do that with a team of about 10 to 12, which will fit in our current office. And I don't really want to go beyond that because it would require a bunch of things from a business standpoint that I'm just not ready to commit to. Mm -hmm. Again, the reason that we started the business was for the lifestyle. I wanted to be in control of my time. I wanted my wife and my family to be in control of our time. If we didn't want to have to commute two hours every day into the city to work at a job that pays us a little bit, but we don't like it, like I didn't want to have to do that. And so eventually, if you start eclipsing certain numbers, at least in our business and in our industry, you're going to have to just change the way that you're doing things. And those will kind of compromise my original goals for the business. So I'm trying to find the intersection between, okay, how can we like employ the most people, you know, make the most money, but keep the lifestyle that we want 
all while serving our customers in the absolute best way. And again, because we have no outside influencers telling us what to do, we can find the intersection for that. And so we're just on the journey of figuring out where that intersection exists. Mm. Congratulations, by the way. That's that's an amazing achievement. So let's just step through a little bit more about your, your journey. So you've, you've done the first three, four, five months and you've got your first six customers. What happens from then? Well, basically, we just kind of doubled down on that single product. The, the process of content marketing and building an audience is incredibly powerful, but very slow. So we're just, you know, f- we're four years into the process now of literally releasing hundreds upon hundreds of pieces of content, videos, podcast articles, week after week after week after week after week. And we're just kind of like hitting that stride where we have some recognition within our industry. Uh, but for the mm-hmm. video announcement side, you know, we just kept kind of gaining new customers. So we went from like, you know, five to 10, from 10 to 25, from 25 to 50. And again, that's what really funded everything else. It's what allowed us to keep going because we had these clients that we were working with and doing something that was incredibly niche that no one else was doing well. Video announcements. I mean, you even asked Davis, like, what even is that? Because some people don't know. That's how niche it was. People didn't know that it existed. But if you did know what it was and you searched for it, you would find us and be thrilled that it was an option because we were in this weird niche. And again, what really helped us in in the beginning, Davis was having this product that was high priced. You know, it was one, two, three, four, five, six hundred dollars every single month on a recurring basis. So we had a small audience and not mm. too many clients, but they were giving us this high amount of money every single month. And that was what like the secret sauce was from the beginning. And so, you know, takeaway there is if you're at the beginning starting your business, best thing I can recommend is doing something which, and this is something that was, would be known as a productized service where it's client services, mm-hmm. but it's like the same thing every single time for the multiple different clients. It's high priced, it's recurring, but if you have a small audience, you only need three or four clients at the beginning, which is, you know, what I was able to attain, but that made such a huge difference because they weren't just buying a $20 ebook or paying me, you know, $20 a month for a subscription site. They were paying 300 a month because it was a very high value product that was unique to my skill set. And we didn't need a high number of people within our audience to accomplish our goals in the early days. And were your initial clients local or spread no. around the world? No, I mean, to this day, 90% of our clients are living within the USA and we are a Canadian company. And that's just simply Mm. because the size of America and the culture that exists there, 80% of our audience is American, 90% of our customers are American. And from the early days, it was a while before we had any churches outside of America sign up for the pro video announcement side of the site. Right. And did you find you know, the sales funnel right at that tail end. So you've kind of walked through the content marketing piece, which then when people are doing their search on, on social media, on Google and YouTube, they find you guys and then they kind of, you know, consume your free content and then they kind of find out, okay, these guys also have courses or they have um, the pro video announcements um, offering. What's the sign up process at that point? What's the sale? How does that look like? Well, on the pro video announcement side of the site, we have you know, just a pricing table that's on the homepage, nothing complicated, no call center, no elaborate funnel. Uh, We're very upfront with the pricing. This is how much it costs. And if you want to sign up, you sign up right there online. And then the automated onboarding walks you through, okay, great. So send us your church's logo and your colors. And here's the way to submit your first announcement and you're good to go. So it's all done entirely online and uh, we love it that way. Mm-hmm. Right in the beginning or even now, did you work out whether you're going to be doing the copy for them or they provide you the full copy, you know, music selections and all that kind of the technical stuff? How did that all sit together? 
Totally. So we have pre-written announcement scripts if you're unsure of how to write your announcements, but most of our churches will submit their own script. And then within the form that we built, you can choose from, you know, five different audio backgrounds. You can choose from five different, or no, nine different, yeah, nine different actual backgrounds where the host is standing. You can choose what kind of graphics you want, your intro, your outro. So it's highly customizable. So you can like create a unique look every time or build Mm -hmm. a unique look that you use over and over again. Uh, but it's also, again, very systemized where it's all template-based on our end. So you get the full kind of customizable options. But then for us, the actual execution upon that is pretty simple because it's all templatized. I like it. So your guys would say, okay, this guy, Davis chose the black background and here's the script. So I'm going to stand there. I'm going to sit there and then someone rolls a camera and then you've got a process to cut and edit, et cetera, et cetera. So it makes it easy for you. Yeah, precisely. Let's talk about um, fear of failure or actually moments where you thought the business probably won't continue or was going to shut down or it's way too hard. Was there ever a moment like that? Yeah. I mean, I mentioned the moment when I was, you know, head down praying on my black Ikea table. That's like the most memorable Mm. one, especially early on. Uh, But there have been some really big ones most recently too. One thing that I've been learning upon this journey of, you know, jumping from seven figures to eight figures is that like everything that got us to like 1 million in revenue it's very not entirely applicable to getting us to the next stage, you know, 10 million in revenue. Everything that I'm trying to figure out now is entirely different because I need a team to do things. And so a lot of it comes down to me being a leader. And we had this string of successes, Davis, where it was like launch success, launch success, launch success. Oh my gosh, I prayed for three clients and I got them. It's just all working. It's all coming up, Brady. And then we had a couple of launches that were successful based on like pretty much every metric, but they were less successful than I expected. And I thought things were going to start moving faster. And that was me still like learning, okay, how do, how do I learn these new skills of leadership that's going to get us to 10 million that I've never really known up until this point? And, and, and that's what I've been kind of learning over the last year or two. And there's been a lot of doubts internally, like, can I do this? Why is it taking so long? Am I ludicrous to think this can be done? And then you have the pressure and the weight of like the eight people that work here full time and like their wives, like their families. Like what if I have to fire people because, you know, I overextend myself? What about like like management? Like I paid the government $100,000 in taxes this year and last year. That's a lot of money. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm writing these giant checks and oh my goodness, our expenses are going up because we're trying to build software, which is going to get us to where we need to go, but it costs way more money than if I did things myself. (gasps) How do I manage expenses and profit? Our profit margin is shrinking, but I think it's going to be worth it in the end. And all of this is happening. And it's just a lonely journey because you know, you're up top and no one else understands it. And I don't have any other Mm -hmm. friends that are like really in this. And so you talk to other business people, but maybe they live far away. Maybe they're experiencing is different. Like it's just lonely being an entrepreneur a lot of the times. And so you have to kind of be built for that. And what has been great over the last 24 months is I've been experiencing like a lot of many, many failures, losses, things that I thought were going to be wins and weren't. And they've been kind of like building up some like tolerance and battle scars and a little bit more of like tough skin to get where we need to go. Again, like when you're 19 and you just make a ton of money online and then you make even more money online, then you get married and everything's great. Like you just start to think like everything I do is going to be successful. And so it's been really helpful doing some things that weren't as successful as I expected (laughs) because then they really get you to look back and remember. Remember when you were starting this and you had no experience and you were just like had this crazy dream? Like nothing is given. Nothing. You're not entitled to anything. Like you still have to work and earn every single thing. And so that's really like 
got the fire back in me over the last 24 months. I think I started becoming a little bit complacent and a little bit like soft. And so that's been really helpful. And, you know, I think it's all working together for good moving forward because I'm a lot more focused, driven, and like lasered in, dialed in into what we really need to be doing rather than just kind of like floating through and expecting things to figure themselves out. Um, you've talked about software a little bit here. Um, and that, is that the Nucleus project that you were talking about? Walk us through a little bit about that. Yeah. So Nucleus is a website builder for churches. We're really trying to like change the way that churches approach building their websites. And so we launched that in April of 2017. We had a thousand charter churches join us in the first week. And then we shut down enrollment for the product uh, because software is a beast. And these were kind of like our paid beta members. And so we've been working Mm -hmm. with them over the last five months and will be through the new year and then opening the product publicly um, and, you know, sharing it with the world for the first time. And so, you know, these beta churches have been incredibly patient with us as we've been building out this product that is functional, but, you know, it's not as robust as many of us would like it to be. And so they've been basically Mm -hmm. funding that project. But in return, we've given them a 50% lifetime discount that they're going to get when all the new features are live and they don't only have to pay a little bit every single month compared to what the rest of the world is going to be paying. And so they've been funding that. And like I said, we're probably going to put in about 500,000 into that project by the time it goes live publicly, which, you know, it's a big gamble and it's a ton of money, but I am fully fully convinced that this product is going to be so helpful for so many churches. And so it's just about playing the waiting game, you know, putting in the work every single day, putting in the effort and uh, waiting for it to all work out when you finally get there. But, you know, when we're working at the scale that we are now, like things seem to move so much slower because I'm not just in charge of everything. It used to be like, oh, there's a problem with our website. I'll just log into WordPress at 12 a.m. and fix it myself. But now I've got to wait for others who are much more skilled than me, but also work regular hours and things take longer to actually happen. And so that was a big part of like me learning to be patient in that process. Yeah, it's an interesting space. Um, I've actually been doing a little bit of consulting in the in the space of um, church, church websites and church branding. Um, so it's interesting to hear that, um, you know, you stepping into that space. Uh, I think, um, yeah, interested to see how you get, how, you, how, what comes out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting. I can't wait to like launch to more churches. I mean, it's been a big hit with the thousand charter churches that we're working with and I can't wait to mm. get it into the hands of, you know, even more. What would you say has been, um, the biggest breakthrough moment for pro churches or do you think it's just been kind of, um, compounding effects slowly, slowly? Yeah, I think the compounding effect definitely has its merit. I'll continue to go back to that moment when I was, you know, head down on my desk just praying for three clients because mm. that was like the the jump from not making any money and not proving anything to actually making money online, I think is the biggest jump you can make as as a business, especially as an online business obviously. Like the jump from 100k to 1 million or 1 million to 10 million, like that's huge. But nothing is as big as having zero dollars and then having a dollar. And I remember the first person that signed up for our our site, they were from Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay, Florida. I don't remember the name of the church, but I remember this church signed up. And I remember because I was sitting in my office at the church. And when I say office, I mean like the fold out desk that we used for, you know, communion during (laughs) midweek that I was just sitting at. And I remember seeing this church signed up and I, I, I called my I think it was my fiance at the time. I called my mom and I was like, oh my gosh, a church signed up. I was so happy. And then within the next 30 minutes, the church had emailed me and said, oh, never mind. You're not actually any good at this and canceled and requested a <laughs> refund. And it was like the most like, 
It was just the most heartbreaking moment because I had finally acquired a client and then it was like snatched away from me almost instantaneously, but not so instantaneously that I hadn't had the chance to call everyone I know, feel so excited and like finally feel like I accomplished something. And so I remember that like that pain so deeply and so vividly that going from zero to anything was definitely the biggest moment. Because like I said, it like instilled in me this sense of confidence that if I can get $1,000 a month, why can't I get $100,000 a month? Like, it, I don't know why mm. it did that, but it, it gave me this feeling of like, if I can do this, what can't be done with this business? And again, if, if that confidence was never instilled, that you know, self-esteem and belief in oneself, who knows if we would be talking right now. You know, I could be working at that Starbucks still. Who knows? <laughs> Um, tell me what what has your podcast done to contribute to to you know getting your that sales funnel working quicker and and just getting getting you into this space where you can actually grow to eight figures as well as your Facebook page. I think you've got a strong following on Facebook. I remember watching some of your high quality videos on Facebook and I was like, man, these guys know what they're doing. Well, the podcast for us has been huge because it gives us this avenue to go really deep with our audience. Podcast numbers and metrics are never going to be as like sexy and attractive as maybe a blog post. You're not going to go viral with a podcast episode. It's highly unlikely. But what it does give you the opportunity to do is go incredibly deep with an audience. So, you know, this is proven when, you know, the the metrics aren't really there as much, but when people come up and meet us, meet me at a conference or email me or, you know, chat with me online, it's always, man, I listen to the podcast and it's the best. Like the biggest raving fans we have within Pro Church Nation are all connected to our podcast because for you to read through like a list article on like the best fonts for your church that are free, it doesn't really build a huge relationship. A ton of people are going to click on that because it's incredibly valuable, Mm. but there's not going to be a huge relationship built there. Whereas if you're going to listen to me talk for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, we publish, I would say two hours, more than two hours of audio content every single week. If you're listening, even like on a infrequent basis to that, you're going to build a relationship with me where like you feel like you know me. You feel like we're friends and only podcasting can do that. You know, you can do it with video as well, but video is highly competitive because video is competing for the attention of an article, a book, a movie, Netflix. You know, there's so many visual things, social media, every single platform. It all requires visual and you locking in. Whereas podcasting, what's it competing against? Audiobooks, music, that's it. Not too much because you can do everything else that you would normally do while podcasting. You can cook dinner. You can walk the dog. You can go to the gym. You can drive to work. All of these things can be coupled with podcasting. Whereas if you're going to watch a video, read a book, engage with a blog post, follow someone on social, it all requires you to actually be looking right then. And you don't want to be doing other things while you're doing that, even though some people choose to while driving. You know, like That's not something you want to be doing in general. And so... Whereas podcasting, it's its own stream. It's, an, it's, it's this unique medium that you can go really deep with your audience, develop a huge relationship with them, and it's not as competitive as other options. Now, that's great. Love that. What about Facebook? How's that been um, of use for you guys? Facebook is big because our audience is on Facebook more than any other social platform. And so Facebook gives us the opportunity to reach people more than other platforms. We go a lot deeper on Instagram it kind of similar to like podcasting Instagram. I do a ton with DMs and Instagram. We're going way deeper in Instagram mm. than other platforms. But with Facebook, we have the most reach because 
our audience skews a bit older because churches are generally older. And so, you know, our audience is older than me. I'm 26 and our audience is going to be, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And so Facebook allows us to reach them there because that's where they are. And so our Facebook strategy comes down to this simple fact. I don't love Facebook as much as I love Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, but our audience is on Facebook way more than those. And so we need to figure it out regardless. I love it. And that's a great answer. You know, that's where your audience is. And so you figure it out and and, you know, you do some great stuff on Facebook. So, congratulations well, thank on you. that. Yeah. Um, hey, we, we're kind of running out of time here. So, I wanted to ask you a couple of quick questions. Um, do you invest in mentors? And uh, if yes, why? I invest in mentors through podcasting. So, I consume podcasts at a crazy pace. And that's really every mentor that I've had, they literally do not know that I exist. I've either listened to their <laughs> podcast, bought their online course, read one of their books, and all of the mentoring that happens comes through these like remote mentorships where they have a platform and I follow what they publish to the world. And the reason this has been so valuable is because when you are in this new world of online business that's been around for what, a decade? Like there aren't too many things on it already except for stuff that's online. And this is what makes niche, uh, niches work. Man, I'm combining the word niche and niche and like that was just brutal. Niches. <laughs> this is what makes them work is that when you have the internet and you're able to reach the whole world, you can create this really small niche because there are people around the world. If you did it just locally, you wouldn't have enough people. But when you think about the whole world, you do have enough people. And the same works for the mentors that I have. I don't know anyone in real life that runs an online business, but I know tons of people on the internet and they mentor me through that. That's good. Uh Books. Do you read a lot of books? Um, do you have two that you can recommend as great reads that you've read recently um, or a long time ago? It doesn't matter for entrepreneurs. Yeah. When I started making the transition from like solopreneur doing everything myself to actually working on a team, the book E-Myth Revisited was the biggest book for me that helped along that journey. And then I would also recommend, you know, anything by Gary Vaynerchuk is super great. I really enjoyed the Ask Gary V book. Uh, mm-hmm. His other two, the, the names are slipping my... Oh, thank you, economy. Crushed it. Those are both really great. I think those books... A year ago, 2016, I read like 52 plus books. Um, I wanted to read a book every single week. And that was something I accomplished. Mm -hmm. This year, I think I've read zero books. And it's (laughs) September. So that's weird. But what happened was every time I listen to a book, I get this like new idea. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I could employ this in my business. But we're so laser focused right now on what we need to accomplish that I don't need any new ideas. Like I know exactly what we're doing. And I've kind of transitioned to like listening to podcasts almost entirely. I've been intrigued by a couple of books this year. I've started listening to them, you know, on Audible, which is the way that I consume books. And I was just like, eh, and, and they just didn't stick. And so I don't know what that is. I'm trying not to like, you know, judge myself on it because it is weird to read, you know, more than a book a week for a year and then read zero books. But, you know, whatever the explanation is, maybe it's one of those two things that I just mentioned, but whatever it is, you know what? It, it is what it is. And so I'm just kind of rolling with it. I'm sure I'll come around to books again, but I get t- so much information through podcasting that I'm not lacking input. And if, if I'm not loving a book, I'm just not going to force myself to do it either. Yeah. It's just, it's about the same for me. I don't think I've read a book this year and I used to read quite a bit. Um, not 52, but um, I would read at least, you know, one or, one or two a month or somewhere thereabouts. So, but um, I'm just think I'm traveling close to zero this year. So we're in the same boat. So that's good. I'm feeling better. Nice. <laughs> um, Brady, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Probably on Instagram. That's where I've been doing the most like one-on-one chats in the DM at Brady Shearer, uh, S-H-E-A-R-E-R. Also at Brady Shearer on Twitter, which is the social platform that I use the most personally because 
I love keeping up with news, sports, and my friends. And so at Brady Shearer on Instagram and Facebook. And then our home base is ProChurchTools.com. We'll link all of that up in our show highlight reel and in our show notes. Um, Brady, before I ask my last question, I do want to thank you for you know all the work that you've done and all the churches that you've inspired, all the young people that have heard your story, all the older people that have heard your story and have been inspired to to see you do what you've done, and also the the um, community that you're serving, the church community that you're serving, making their lives easier for all the pastors. I'm sure there's a ton of pastors who are just like you. I'm so glad that this boy has done what he's done and that the team at Pro Church Tools um, are there for those people. So uh, more specifically as well for coming here on our show, pouring out your words of wisdom. I think that was uh, that was an amazing interview. So thank you so much for my last question, Brady. When all is said and done, I know you're still pretty young, but do you think about legacy and uh, what do you want to leave as legacy and be remembered for and tell us why? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think about it a lot. I think about mostly it from a familial position, like being a father, being a husband. You know, I, I feel like the business side of things, like that's going to take care of itself. And so I f- try to focus on what I'm not naturally positioned to do well. Like my just inclination is climb mountains, set goals. And that doesn't really translate to being a father or being uh, a husband as well. And so legacy all comes down to family and being able to, you know, do what we want for the next 60 years and not waste any time uh, you know, at a job we don't care about, uh, you know, being controlled by other people and just being able to like live life where during the middle of the day, I can spend time with my daughter or wife. We can go out to brunch, you know, on a Wednesday, whatever we want to do and having that complete control. And so that's why I run the business and that's the legacy in life that we're trying to build long term. Love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Brady Shearer from ProChurchTools.com. Thanks for hanging out with me and Brady. Thank you for, for joining us, Brady. Um, Listeners, if you enjoyed that show, make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and I will be sure to give you a nice shout out on an upcoming episode. Remember to head on over to businessgenerals.com forward slash Brady S and you can download a special PDF show highlight reel that we've prepared specially just for you so that you don't have to take notes and we've put it all together for you. And remember to click subscribe on your podcast player. To connect with Brady, um, you can reach him at Brady Shearer, Instagram and Twitter, or ProChurchTools.com. Brady, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today and for sharing your story with us. We're absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Oh, well, thank you, Davis. That's very kind. Uh, it was a great time being here. Thanks a lot. Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa, that's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessgenerals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.